As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. You can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose big time. Playoffs. Long year, and I just, I, I, uh, I love every one of these guys, these players, these coaches, and been through a lot. So it's not it's not um, where we want to be. We understand we got to grow from this. we got to learn in a lot of different areas. Montgomery taking the snap. Trubisky launching it. Right back to Wills. And he drops the touchdown. The pass was perfect. But well, if you feel like the game is over, then we can leave. That's it. Game over. I think it comes down to execution, and there's some things I think we can do differently game planning. <laughs> I can't hold my tongue. It always comes down to the basics. Are we doing good on third down? Tonight we were not. Duh. Were we efficient on first and second down? Tonight we were not. Yeah. We shot ourselves in the foot a lot. They're terrible. I didn't think we played very smart tonight. There's a lot of things that we need to do better, a lot of things that need to change. Well, that is an awful, 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 awful mess. Gentlemen, <laughs> it has been a privilege playing with you tonight. From NBC Sports Chicago, here to let you know what really happened. It's Adam Ho. I'm gonna come at you like a spider monkey. Like a spider monkey. I'm gonna jack up on my dude. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I am not Mr. Lebowski. Chicks dig dudes with money. I'm the dude. It's the Adams. Hogan Johns. God bless fantasy football. It is mercifully over. The Bears lose to the Saints. Uh, assuming there's not any garbage time points here, as we are starting at the two minute warning game not quite over uh they only have three points at this moment so bears finally played a good defense johns and they got their butts kicked they got their butts kicked. yeah it's uh this was a humbling i i would say all those feel good i I didn't feel good about going in this game i know what the bears kept trying to tell us over zoom but i think you and i got what we expected in this game i expected maybe a little more offense from the bears but that Saints defense is darn good, and they just look overmatched from the beginning. Yeah, I, I didn't know that it would be quite this much of a shutdown. Uh, I, I mean, we talked all week about how good the Saints defense. I, I thought, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about. You know, I thought a little bit more of the recent offensive surge was real to the point that they'd be able to score, I don't know, at least a couple touchdowns in this game. I didn't think it'd be that close of a game, though. So that part of it, uh, if anything, the Bears defense showed up a little bit more than a I little expected. bit more. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the same issues still were there. You had the missed tackles, 
Uh, Eddie Jackson jumping off sides is just a, a terrible moment. Uh, pass rush that was effective at times, better than in past weeks, but still not great overall. So a lot of, a lot of the same issues, to be honest, popped up in this game, and the Bears did lose. To me, I, I just felt like like that Javon Wims drop touchdown. It just it, it changed the game. It, it, I, I hate always putting so much emphasis on, on one play. But you just felt like that was their shot. Like, and it stuck with them. It lingered with them emotionally, like in terms of momentum, in terms of the the vibe they were feeling, the, the word juice that we throw around here a lot on Zooms with the Bears. Like, they just lacked it. They, they lacked a lot of things after that. Um, it changed the game. Again, I hate putting so much emphasis on one play. It was a heck of a play. Great throw by Trubisky. Awful drop. But I felt like that game, like it was never going to be the same again for the Bears after that drop. No, it's a that's a play that's going to be talked about, honestly, for forever, probably. I mean, that's how big of a play it was. And and if the Bears were going to win this game, they had to play almost perfect. And they had to have takeaways. And they had to have big plays like that. And you could not... In fact, someone even pointed out to me on Twitter, I talked about on our preview episode about how that, that one moment where maybe the Bears have a chance to win would happen maybe in the third quarter. Well, it happened in the first quarter. That was it right there. Javon Wims has to make that play and he didn't. And it wasn't even, I don't know if we're going down a weird road of like comparing drops. Didn't that just look like an extra awful drop? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, it, it's, it, it just looks so casual, right? Yeah. Like there was yeah. something about it that almost was offensive other than the fact that he just dropped. Well, it. I, I think it's, it We've seen like some outstanding catches made, you know, and like we've we've, we've been on Allen Robinson's case for drops in the end zone, but the the degree of difficulty on some of those drops is is notable compared to this one. This felt like an easy catch, easy catch, and I'm not, like no one should make excuses for him either. Like he made made an outstanding catch just one play earlier. Um, I'm I'm sure the Bears practiced the hell out of this play this oh, yeah. week in preparation for it. Just bad timing. Took his eyes off the ball. If you if you if you watch the replay a little bit, but just yeah, it's the easiness of the catch that seemed to stand out to me. Like that, that's there's no excuses for that. None. Well, well when you when you practice, and, and I'm sure they that play that that's the type of play that might even be in there like back. In oh yes, camp, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, maybe not yeah. with. I'm guessing maybe that was a Darnell Mooney play, not Javon Wims, um, but. Those are the ones that, as a coach, you're just, it drives you crazy, right? Because you practice and practice and practice. And Mitch throws probably one of his best deep balls of his career on that play. <laughs> it was on the money, right? Just doing the eight and the three. Could, yeah. could not have been more perfect. And, I, I think you have your, I think that's your answer right there, Adam. Like, in terms of that question you're asking, like a minute yeah. ago, like, why did this one just feel worse than other drops? Like, that's part of it, too. Absolutely. It was a beautifully thrown deep ball. By Trubisky. You don't see many of those. That's the biggest criticism I have of him, and everyone should have of him. Beautifully thrown deep ball right into the numbers, right through the hands. Just so <laughs> off. I don't know if we necessarily need to leave with this, but because we're on the con, we're already on the. I mean, it was the biggest play in the game, so that's a good spot to start. But this is where I want to go with this. This is what I'm writing about. Not done yet, but we'll be up at NBCSportsChicago.com. The Bears did not cut Javon Wims after 
the punch on CJ Gardner Johnson back in week eight. And it came back to bite them in this game in multiple ways. Now, the easy route to go on this argument would be that Wims wouldn't have been there to drop the ball. That is true, but that's not actually where I was going to. I mean, that's part of it. But his presence in this game resulted in the officiating being called the way it was. Extra, extra tight. Not letting these guys get away with anything. If Wims isn't in this game, I don't think the tensions are quite the same. I think the officials are aware of it. But you could tell from the start that they were officiating this one closely. I think that's why Cole Komet gets called for that ridiculous unsportsmanlike yeah, yeah. penalty. It's, when it's all he, great BS there, yeah. Right, but but that's be a result of the officials being on edge, right? Okay, it it it, it totally is because they know they they are warned about all these things. They know the storylines going into the game, and more specifically to me, I doubt Anthony Miller does what he does to get ejected, which also was soft, by the way. You know, like I don't think. Without the whims play early in the season, you didn't, I don't, you didn't think it was a punch. I thought it was a punch. Was it a clear punch? I mean, it looked like a shove. It was a high shove, neck area, face mask. Yeah, okay. I think even Terry McCauley tweeted little now, now under, but here under the circumstances and what happened earlier this season, I understand it. Regardless of what it was, whether he it, it was ridiculous that he did it, and I don't think he does it if whims is held accountable earlier in the season for what he did. Now, he got the two-game suspension, but we talked about it at the time. And we, I think if we, I remember right, we thought that he, there's a real chance he could be cut. You hold him accountable earlier in the season. I don't think Miller does what he does in this game. I don't think the officiating's called this tightly because Wims isn't in there. And if you want to go down that road, Wims isn't there to drop that ball. Who's there instead? Uh, probably Riley Ridley. Right, I mean, it, the the thing that hurt is you didn't have Darnell Mooney to catch that ball. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's still part of it. Yeah, I don't know if you want your your fate down to a, a receiver who, who plays sparingly. I, I get your point. Anthony Miller put the Bears in a tough predicament. How about the can? Can I say something about the camera angle? Like, how often do you have like a, an overhead angle like that? Like everybody's wondering what's going on, but oh, they got oh, yeah. the, the perfect camera angle on the Saints ultimate agitator. If you like agitators, this is a, a quite a talented one. Yeah. <laughs> that the Saints have. Like like agitators are, are often used like that's a hockey description. You know, your Alex Burroughs of the world if you're a Blackhawks fan, Brad Marchands. Like this guy for the Saints excels at it. And how about Anthony Miller like earlier this week like shrugging off questions about him? Then here he is throwing the the high punch shove. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. It, it's re- it's ridiculous. Look it was ridiculous when Wims did it. And Wims wasn't a first-time offender. Remember, he was the one that swinging his helmet in training camp last year. Right? So it wasn't like, oh, this guy had a moment. Of, now, I understand that it's not his... I don't think they believe that this is his character. And that's why they gave him the second chance. I'm talking about Javon Wims now, when they gave him the chance. But he was warned. We've talked to Mike Furry, the wide receivers coach, about this. He was warned in the moment, back in week eight... They, he said to the wide receivers, do not take the bait. And he did it. And he did it in egregious fashion by punch cheap shotting the guy twice. Okay. So he gets suspended by the NFL, but the Bears keep him around. So what do you think the conversations were all week long? Do not take the bait. 
and Anthony Miller still did. I mean, it is be, <laughs> beyond unacceptable at this point. Um, and I don't know what else. It, I mean, a lot of people want to put it on coaches, culture. At some point, well, I mean, I, I don't know what you want. I mean, maybe that's a part of it, but what, what are they supposed to do? They warn these guys the whole time. No, it's definitely coaching in a sense. It, it's on Mike Fury's plate. It's on Bill Lazor's plate. Like every offensive coach has played all the way up to, to Matt Nagy. Like this was like this game, which is, is now officially over. Uh, the Bears scored a touchdown, it seems. We are not. We are no longer watching this game, but um, the the coaching in this one is just when you have Eddie Jackson jumping offsides, when when you have continuous missed tackles, and um, it's like some level of coaching has to be held accountable here, right? Like, and I don't know if that's going to be Matt Nagy's firing. I know everybody here in the comment section wants it to happen. I, I, I don't know if it is. I would debate whether or not the Bears should at this point. I, I, and I understand the emotions, but Chuck Pagano, maybe some more offensive changes. I, I don't know what the answers are because you saw discipline. Like you, you saw players lose discipline in their most important game of the season. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad look. Yeah, all the way around. It wasn't just the Anthony Miller play. I mean, there was this was a bad, like a poorly played game. Yeah, in a, yeah. in a big moment, and I mean the the drop. I mean, I don't. You're in the NFL. You can't drop that ball, right? There's no. There's and really no. no excuse there's no excuses for it. for it, and there's no excuses for punching a guy, even though he might be mouthing off to you. Yeah. Don't now you you know the scouting report coming in. Guys do this. Um, there's no excuse for the for Eddie Jackson jumping off sides in that moment. That was huge, and it, and yeah, I think. When this stuff happens all year long, it does fall on the coaching staff. So, yeah. maybe Eddie, Jackson, Eddie Jackson wasn't the only one either. There was like two other guys that <laughs> went offsides too. Eddie Jackson was the one who just went oh, yeah. the furthest offsides and into the backfield. They weren't even running the play. I think that's what like makes you probably the most mad about this. If you're a Bears fan or the Bears coaching staff, like the odds of the Saints actually running a play in that instance, like probably not going to happen. They're trying to draw you offsides. That's what they're doing. And right. Yeah, it's breakdown. It, 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 it was really bad. Um, so, I mean, does this open up the door enough for changes? Oof. Oof. It had to be an ugly one, right? For this it conversation was pretty ugly. to come up, and it's it's not just this ugly loss; it's last week's ugly loss too, right. which you know still lingers at Hallis Hall. You combine them. Like Chuck Pagano should be concerned about going into to Alice Hall on Monday. Like his key card may not work, or whatever they use these days. Their thumb scans. Like his Stop thumb playing. may no longer work. <laughs> like you, there's there's a lot of layers to this conversation. Like I, I don't think Mitch Trubisky played himself into another contract today. I don't know if you want to start there, um, but that's part of the evaluation of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy too. Like this is yeah. part of the problem. Like they get outplayed to the quarterback position again. The checkdowns and third and eight, not good. The inability to to get completions down the field, not good. Not converting a third down until that two minute drill at the end, not good. A lot of it's not good. I mean, I, and I think that's like if you want to narrow it down, it's just the obvious gap between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers which matters a ton. And then you, you get in the playoff game when you really shouldn't have been there and you're exposed again. So that's, and oh, by the way, it's against Ryan Pace's old team, right? The, the, the things that you saw that you like so much about what he was doing in new Orleans, 
six years later, it's not a good that this result does not reflect very well on you in that regard. So um, I think my official stance on this right now is I'm open to whatever they do. Like I, I, th- I can really see it both, both ways. Um, I, I, I've said it before. We talked about it last week with Dan Pompey. I do think you're going down kind of a slippery slope. If you're firing coaches every three years, just a continuous cycle. Um, but six years with Ryan Pace, that is a that that's a, that's a sample size at this point that's pretty hard to defend. Well, I always thought you had to separate the Fox and Nagy eras. Mm-hmm. So in the Nagy era, you have two playoff appearances in three years. But how much value do you put on this one with the extra playoff spot, going eight and eight, having a six game losing streak? having a quarterback who was benched, having the guy you brought in to replace him be even worse, having the quarterback who was benched come back and play well and then get toasted by the Green Bay Packers in New Orleans States. Like, how much value do you put into the... Because so this season, like we said, was like three and one. Yeah. Like how, like, how do you analyze this? Well, I'll say this, and I, and I stick to what I wrote last week when I people were upset they made the playoffs, and I... I wrote after I, this is a good thing. This is a good thing in many ways because one, okay, your favorite team, if you're a fan, made the playoffs. Like you should never be upset about that. You get a playoff game to watch. And there was still some excitement today. I know it was like the least exciting playoff game ever going into it. There wasn't a ton of hype, but you got a playoff game out of it. So that was like, at least you'd be a little bit excited about that. But more importantly, it gave you another week to evaluate the situation. And I think you learned a lot today. I think you really did. I think you learned a lot about Trubisky because Trubisky finally had to go up against a really good defense. And I thought his limitations were exposed, not only with him, the ball in his hands, but again, how the game was called. I had the radio, the I had BBM's pregame on uh, like 30 minutes before the game and Nagy was on talking to Jeff Joniak and Nagy was talking about how you got to leave it all out there. Coaches too. You can't be thinking about later in, the, later in the evening about how you didn't do enough, how you didn't open it up enough. Like you got to leave it all. This game plan didn't do that. They weren't aggressive and it, it just looked like they were protecting Mitch Trubisky the whole game, didn't it? A run by David Montgomery for five yards. A run by David Montgomery for three yards. A run by Ryan Nall yeah. for no gain. Those were your three plays in the final two minutes of the first half in a one-score game with you getting the ball back to open up the second half. Like, that's a situation where you get aggressive. You go for it. You're, you're talking about two scores, right? Even if one's a field goal, whatever, right? Like... Finishing the, dra- uh, the the second quarter with a score, opening the third quarter with a score. Like, that's what you're thinking, right? Not when you're handing the ball off to Ryan Nall. Yeah. That was the time. That was the... That was such a big sequence into the game because your defense had to make a stop, and they absolutely... They did. I mean, originally, they didn't because I think... Wasn't that where they gave up 24 yards on third and seven? Initially, whatever. And that, But they end up getting the stop. You get the ball back. Like, that is the situation that calls you... To be super aggressive, to you got to get a score before halftime, and then you get the ball back. You could double up, and that play call. I mean, that play calling that you just brought up. Now, I actually didn't hate the third down call because Mitch made the wrong decision. 
he keeps that. It was his own read, and if he keeps it, he's running for a while. Yeah. Um. So it, I just it does. don't like the fake to to Ryan out. Like like you're outsmarting yourself. They don't think I'm keeping it, or they don't think I'm giving it to Ryan out. Like they all they're all gonna think I'm keeping it. Like what are you but doing? They, it worked. I I, <laughs> I know I know, but like no, just no. <laughs> No, just no, <laughs> just no. Okay. Um, how are you buying the? Because uh, the other thing is, Nagy's been selling the Trubisky improvements pretty hard here over the last few weeks. Like buying him for when next year? Well, do you think Trubisky was exposed? Today? I, well, I think the Saints have a very good defense. It's. Well, I, I think I, I think they cut off the, the point. Yeah, I, I think they cut off the the bootlegs and all those things that they wanted to do because they are very good defense, but was he exposed? Yeah. Does he need more work in this current system they're trying to run? Maybe, but I don't think like you have to evaluate everything this, this off season, like a a quarterback, if you're Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, like I I know we got to hop off this YouTube here quickly because of the, the press conferences are about to begin. But like what I'm writing tomorrow is again, like it all comes back to the quarterback position. What does Matt Nagy want to do? What does Ryan Pace want to do? And does George McCaskey trust them to do it? Nick Foles was brought in. Mitch Trubisky was drafted. Like that is their current body of work. Why hasn't he developed under Matt Nagy? Like these are things George George McCaskey has to be asking himself tonight on the flight home from New Orleans because this is that's it. You can't compete consistently without the quarterback position being addressed or, or having it correctly addressed. I should say. Yeah, well, it always comes back to that, and um, that that probably is the best argument for moving on from Ryan Pace, because you got to make a another huge decision here on the quarterback position in the coming months, and who do you want making those decisions? Right, that's really that's where it's critical. And but again, I've said this so many times; I'll say it again. If you're going to go down this road again with firing everybody, who's making the hirings? Yeah, yeah. I, I, what's I, honest to God? What is the point if the same people are doing it? That has to be addressed. That absolutely needs to be addressed in the next 48, 72 hours. You're talking about Ted Phillips, just so yeah. Get his name out there. It's well, the, man, and- the man's been in this position since 1999. Or someone else needs to be brought in to hire the GM. I don't like. I don't care how you do it. It just needs to be. How many of these do you get to go through? Yeah, yeah. I see it like this: either you're going to double down on Nagy, which means to me you should probably triple down on Pace. I don't know if that's the right decision, but I think they're linked. But if you do lean toward house cleaning, make it fully coach, coordinators, GM president what if you bring in a naggy gm candidate that you like like a lewis riddick maybe maybe but is matt naggy going to change offensively like what know. what are they going to do a quarterback i, I know, know what you're saying i know what you're saying yeah. like, good coaches you can make the argument are harder to find than capable executives Right, like I feel like the executive list is is more notable, like this year because there's so many teams looking for one. Then right. compared to the coaching list, like how many good coaching candidates are there? I feel like they're bringing everybody back. Maybe they fire Chuck Pagano, but 
We'll see. We'll see. It all goes back to the quarterback position. So if you do bring him back, what do they do? What's their plan? Do you like it? Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Jaws, we'll get to Mitch Trubisky in a second. But this was a, an interesting broadcast situation, I thought. Did you give the, the you know, well, first of all, we're covering a playoff game from home, both of us, which is yeah. a weird, weird experience as this pandemic rages on. But I never thought I'd be covering a Bears playoff game while watching Nickelodeon. <laughs> How did long you, did you watch it? No, I like, truthfully, I don't watch much of it. Um, okay. Just usually off what I saw on Twitter. Um, yeah, truthfully, I didn't watch any of it on Nickelodeon, but okay. um, I'd show the, the clips of the slime uh, like pouring into the end zone. And my, my sons are like, what, what's going on there? But what? Did you enjoy it? So I, ch- well, I didn't know how long I'd last. I really wasn't that excited about it because I just loved Jim Nance and Tony Romo so much. And for this to be like a, a, a Nance Romo game, I knew I'd be watching most of that, but I did start on Nickelodeon because my son was sitting there, you know, watching the game too, and I wanted him to be able to enjoy it. I made it through the first Saints touchdown, so not very long either. It wasn't even half the first quarter, but you made it through um, one sliming, we should say. Yeah, we saw the sliming, and um, it, it was it. First of all, it's a great idea. Okay, it's great for kids. Great for. There's a, I, I think we as like football guys forget that there's a lot of people out there watching football that, especially this time of year in the playoffs, that don't really know how, a whole lot about the game. They're really there for the entertainment. That's cool. But just knowing that Nance and Romo were calling this game, it was killing me. I think we at some point I just got to the point where I said out loud, I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> like I need the football talk. I just yeah. needed it. I, I did see the... You know how Next Gen Stats does like those little circles that that show the play how it unfloads, unfloads, <laughs> yeah. unfolds, yep. right? Um, Nickelodeon's version are like little box guys. Okay. So when you watch the the whims drop in the end zone, it doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> like a video game, you know. SpongeBob SquarePants came out of nowhere and knocked the ball away. No. It there was an extra like, defender in there. Like there was like, um, gosh, I, I don't know what it was, but it was like dust or something, and the, the ball okay. was dropped. Play wasn't made. We know how it unfolded in, in real life, but <sighs> the I got a good chuckle out of seeing it in little box guy formation or whatever, you want, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Well, it's a good thing we had Nance and Robo because they then gave our lovely podcast this gem. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough. (laughs) And you know that Romo did that on purpose. You know he did. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough. And right at the end of the game, they went even further with it. Uh, It was like right as we were starting our YouTube stream, 
So I don't know if you heard any of that, but it was when Drew Brees was trying to reach over the goal line with just the tip of the football. Yes. And they were they just launched into like a Saturday Night Live parody of their own broadcast, <laughs> which I don't know if you've caught this. You know how Frank Caliendo does the impressions of them? Mm-hmm. I do. Which, which are really good. There's been a couple times this year I've noticed on non-Bears games called by Romo and Nance that they start doing an impression of Frank Caliendo doing the impression. Really? We're like... Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Romo will lean into the, here we go, Jim. Like, he'll he'll like... make. He's basically making fun of himself over it. That's just great TV. I love it. So, those guys are great, and they deserve their... And I always appreciate broadcasters or anybody in this profession who could have a good laugh at themselves because we tend to take football a bit seriously. We're going to have a serious talk about Mitch Trubisky here in about five yeah. minutes, but... It's sports. It should be fun, and they gave us another good soundbite for your soundboard that we could play over and over and over again. Well, you know this one's going to live on forever. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to the sky falling. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This could have been Mitch Trubisky's last Bears press conference. Yeah, how about that? And well, here let's just play it. And then we'll react to it, and whether or not we think he'll be back in a Bears uniform. It's a tough question to answer, I will say. But here he is, Mitch Trubisky, uh, dressed up after the game, uh, after the Bears lose to the Saints, and their season is over. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Yeah, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Mitch, do you want to be back here next year? Yeah, I think um, I think I could definitely see myself back here next year. Obviously, a lot of that's out of my control. Um, but it just it feels like home, and it feels like we have unfinished business. Um, and, and right now, I'm really just um, bummed about how the season being over and how the game went. So a lot of emotions going on right now, but um, I, I could see – I can see that, but we'll, we'll see. There's a, there's a lot of things that got to ha- happen and a lot of decisions that got to be made, and um, it's out of my control, but I, I can see that. Dion Miller. Mitch, how do you think you um, performed over these last few games after coming back from being benched, and, and what do you think that says about you to the franchise? I feel like I got better. I feel like I got better this year. I felt like when I was put back in the starting lineup that the offense was better and I gave my, my team a, a chance to win. Um, and we did win games. And that's why we were able to get back into the playoffs. Um, it, it wasn't just me, but it was the whole unit coming together and the team making plays and um, really getting through that adversity together. But I feel like I was a big part of that. Um, so there are some good things that we did towards the end of the season that helped us put it, put us in a position to be able to play here tonight, but that's not how, how we want to finish. We're still, we finished the season eight and eight, slid into the playoffs. We did that last year. So there's still things that need to be changed. Um, there's still a lot of areas we need to grow in in order to build that championship culture um, that we want to get to. So um, I think we have some pieces, but I also think there's a lot more that we need to do better. We need to figure that out. Dan Wiederer. Mitch, when you took the the flip from CP and you looked downfield, what's going through your mind there when you had Javon deep there? 
Um, yeah, it was throwing the ball as a touchdown. So you don't get a lot of opportunities like that and get your guy um, pretty pretty wide open behind the safety. A play we've been practicing for the last few weeks. Um, I was excited. Coach Coach got it called, um, and that definitely would have helped early on, getting on the board and, and getting us some momentum. Um, so I, I thought it was going to be a touchdown, but got to have that next play mentality. But we just um, overall we're just sloppy tonight. Is there a name to that play? Um, yeah, but I don't, don't want to say it. Jason Leisure. Mitch, how do you explain the drop-off that the offense has when it looks so good against uh, the Lions and the Texans and the Jaguars and then against Green Bay and New Orleans that you guys struggle? Yeah, it's a good question. A lot of things. I think it comes down to execution, and there's some things I think we can do differently game planning um, just to put ourselves in a better position early on. But it always comes down to the basics at the end of the day. Are we doing good on third down? Um, and tonight we were not. Um, were we efficient on first and second down? Tonight we were not. So we were in third and longs, third, um, third and longs, and it wasn't very manageable. And they're putting us in tough positions, and we just didn't execute. So we shot ourselves in the foot a lot. I didn't think we played very smart tonight uh, with the penalties, and it, it, it was just sloppy. So, like I said, there's a lot of things that we need to do better, a lot of things that need to change. Um, and a lot of it is the, the, the culture and, and what we accept and, and what we don't. So. We just got to keep getting better, and you you got to play your best ball against against better teams like that, especially Green Bay last week and the Saints this week. You, you got to show up to play and execute, and everybody's got to be on the same page. And tonight it was just sloppy for us, so that's why we didn't get the result we wanted. A couple more here for Mitch, JJ. Mitch, the you guys had built that offensive identity through the month of December. I guess. Can you put a finger on why that kind of escaped you guys? And, and do you feel like you were still put in the best positions to succeed against some better defenses like the Packers and Saints? Yeah, I don't know. I think we just kind of got away from it tonight a little bit. Um, uh, I'm not sure why. I just uh, just go out there, try to do my job to the best of my ability and, and try to go out there and lead my teammates. Um, but when you're not efficient on first and second down and they're putting you on putting you in known passing situations you also got to be able to pass the ball and convert on third down that way but we, we didn't tonight and um it, it was just we didn't execute we didn't put ourselves in a good position we got to get that run game going a little bit more um so everything else can come off of that but um you got to give them credit they they came out they they played better than we did and they were the better team tonight but um i got a lot of love for my guys and um I'm just proud of the way that we battled all, all year long, and they, they still battled tonight, even up until the very end. And I, I do think there is a lot we can still get better at to put our guys in a better position to succeed. So that's just something we got to look at, some something to um, talk about and, and, and move forward with. Last one, Colleen Kane. Hey, Mitch, just kind of going off Pat's question to open this, um, just with the uncertainty for you going into the offseason, have you, how do you kind of process that this potentially could be your last start with the Bears? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's emotional, and it was in the locker room, but we've been, we've been through so much as a team this year, and it's just a special moment to, to share with the guys and just show your appreciation for everything they've done uh, over the course of this year. And really, a lot of these guys I've been with for four years, so – um, that's really special to me, especially some of the guys up front, like, like Cody and Leno. Um, they've had my back since I've been here, and, and those guys, uh, among many others, mean so much to me. So 
it's tough and you, you try not to think about too far down the line and just take it one day at a time. And uh, I know there's decisions that are going to be made this off season. And um, I, f I feel like I, I've gotten better over these four years and really this season. And it's been tough. There's been some ups and downs, but um, I'm proud of where I'm at and, and where we where we battled and how we got better over the years. So we'll just take it one day at a time this off season. And uh, I know God's got a plan for me. So I'm just continue to stay positive and, and keep working and, and keep believing. That's all. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, guys. All right, Johns. Our guy Pat Finley came out firing there, right? <laughs> right off the jump. Do you want to be back? Uh, I don't Did he say do you want to be back or do you think he'll be back? Whatever. Whatever uh, it, it was, yeah. It was a good answer from Mitch. I mean, he, he kind of made it sound like he's open to coming back. He certainly answered it in a way where if he's really not thinking about coming back, that's not the answer you probably right. would have heard. For him to say there's unfinished business, somewhat strong. I'm sure it's crossed his mind. I'm sure he's aware that he's improved his standing by playing well enough for the Bears to re-enter the playoff discussion and then sneak in the basement door to, to get into the playoffs. But like... He, <laughs> To, to me, it's it, again, it's the more pointed comments about him like taking shots at the game plan every now and then, like I don't including know I, in there. You heard it, yeah. Like I don't know why we got away from it. It's it's um, there's a if Trubisky returns, it, well, first if Nagy returns, there needs to be a serious evaluation of what they want to run offensively and what they can find at quarterback to make that work. Because I'm not sure Matt Nagy knows sometimes or what he wants to do offensively. I, I don't know if he wants to stick with this heavy play action system. I don't know if he's into all the the boots and all all that. Um, I don't think he is. I I think based on the play call play calling you saw today, it's still just it's it it's not it's still not working. It's not fitting. There's a yeah. there's a there's still a conflict between what Nagy wants to do and what the quarterback can do. Yeah. And it's not like, I don't know Bill Lazor's full history, but it's not like a Kevin Stefanski who's off that, you know, Gary Kubiak tree or whatnot. It's not like Sean McVay and those guys, right, who are so married to that system of marrying the run game to the pass game. Um, it's a ser it, There is some serious reflection Matt Nagy has to do in terms of his offensive scheme if he's coming back. And I, I do tend to think he's coming back, so... What the Bears do at quarterback would probably tell you what he's going to do with that scheme. So, and I should mention, Mitch Trubisky, by the way, um, won the NVP Nickelodeon Valuable Player. I thought we were done joking around. <laughs> no, that's not a joke. That happened. I know it did. That was a real award. They had the trophy. There was a real trophy, and they were going to slime the winner, but I don't think they anticipated the winner being the losing quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Who did not play all that well. I and I don't think they ended up slimy Mitch. They did slime Sean Payton, though. They should have. Um, I, I saw it was on his Wikipedia page already. And, and I, I, Pro Football Reference joked around and put it on his um, Pro Football Reference page. I don't, I'm just looking at it right now. It's not there. So, so people are having fun at Mr. Rizzi's expense. Yeah. Again, <laughs> again, um, some of it does seem mean spirited. I'll, I'll say that, but like, well, always, always, always. always. And, um, and it's like, it's 
My goodness. I you know what? I made one criticism of Mitch the entire game on Twitter, and it was on that check down. You know when they were Oh, I didn't like that play either. To number nineteen. I can't remember his name. They had already opened up a two yeah, uh DeAndre Carter, right? They had they had already opened up a two possession lead. The Bears had the ball. They absolutely had to score there. It was like third and nine. And he checked down to a guy that was literally playing wide receiver for the first time for the Bears all season because Anthony Miller got booted out of the game for being an idiot again. So, and and Romo pointed out on the broadcast that he didn't even read the other side of the field and had a throw over there. Regardless, like the mentality cannot be checked down there. Anyway, that was the one time I criticized in the whole game and the Trubisky people. That's still it's it's amazing the polarity on this guy because. Just one completely fair criticism of one play during the game. These people are like, will defend him to their death. And then on the other side of that, like you just said, I mean, there's some mean-spirited stuff out there on a guy that really does not deserve it because he has put in the work. He has, like Anthony Miller deserves to be criticized today. Not only, you, you make a comment during the week about bark versus bite when you talk more than anybody and then you get thrown out of the game for punching a guy after all that. Like, that's somebody that deserves to be criticized. Mitch, for all his faults, come on. I think we're where I stand at Mitch because I'm always labeled as a defender. Like, he could be a good enough quarterback. Is he ever going to be great? I don't know. Does he need to be in a better system for more than five or six games? Yeah, probably that would help. Um, does he need a better play caller? Yeah, probably that would help. Like you see some of the games today, like watch some of the Ravens Titans game. Like talk about play calling. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's different. It's, things just feel off here with him and, and what they want to run offensively, regardless of what they they say about each other now. How, how you know Matt Nagy. You know, how many times he's said that Mr. Bisky has learned from his benching and improved from his benching and, and whatnot. But there's still this feeling of offness with them when it ta- when it comes to schematics. Look, here's the thing. You're three years into this thing. And let's not forget the number one objective, um, at least from a... I mean, the number one objective is to win a Super Bowl. But the reason why they went after Nagy was to improve the offense, right? And... It hasn't improved. And Trubisky did not develop. Well, that's part of my column today. Any evaluation of Mitch Trubisky should ultimately become an evaluation of not only Ryan Pace for drafting him, it's Matt Nagy's failures in developing him, like mm-hmm. finding what works best sooner instead of with their jobs hanging in the balance six games after a six-game losing streak. Yeah. It felt late. Um I don't know what the Bears are going to do. I, I, I see it both ways. I, I think there is value in seeing it through. Like, if they make a head coaching change, do you realize that's like their fifth coach? Not like that would be their fifth head coach in 10 years? Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. There's value in seeing things through. But, again, it goes back to the quarterback, the coaches for that quarterback, and how that quarterback plays. You know, uh, so when we when we started this podcast and we were live on YouTube, I – mentioned what I was going to be writing about the whole Javon Wims, C.J. Gardner-Johnson thing, and Anthony Miller, and 
So we obviously took a break. We're now we're finishing it up. So I wrote that column now since you can read it. And I gotta say, John's as I as I wrote it and actually put it all out, it actually it it looked it it, it seemed even worse. And we also this is new information since we started this podcast because we heard from Nagy. Literally on Wednesday, they had a team meeting where they went over specifically this player and what he does and how he tries to agitate you and how they had to avoid what happened with Javon Wims earlier this season. And it still happened. So on one end, you could say the coaches, I mean, what else can, What else are they supposed to do? Like they're laying this all out there. Do not react and they still react. But you could also, on the flip side, say, well, what does it say that they're just not listening to the coaches? And that's why I think, regardless of how you want to look at it, I think, in hindsight, they did not show enough accountability with Javon Wims. And I think if you fire a guy over that, I'm talking about if you fire Javon Wims because of what he did, which was not his first incident, I think his teammates look at that and say, wow, okay. Maybe... Anthony Miller still does it today. I don't know. But the point is more about they talk about their culture a lot. And it still points to flaws. It questions the accountability. It questions the culture. And I've said this before, or at least questioned it. Like Sometimes I think they lean too much into the culture where they fall in love with their guys too much. Like Javon Wims is not a bad dude. He's had two bad incidents, but otherwise, people seem to love him. Good teammate, hard worker, all that stuff. The guy has 28 catches in three years. And so if I'm Anthony Miller and I see this guy who's below me on the depth chart punch a guy and keep his job, well, that makes me think I can get away with it too. Yeah. Whenever you use the word accountability, that's on coaching. Yes. That eventually reaches personnel decisions especially when behavior is influenced. But coaching matters in those personnel decisions. Coaching is probably the strongest influence in those personnel decisions, especially when you think you're in a playoff race. It matters. I just think it all yeah. its just another thing here for yeah. the McCaskies to look at tonight and say, oh, that doesn't look, that's not what we want our franchise to be about. This guy gets under a lot of people's skins. Yeah. It's not just it's not just the Bears. The Bears seem to be the only team that can't handle it, yeah. though. Mitch had some words about culture today. It, it does seem like something's, or at least he's felt like something's off somewhere on this team. It's, you know, it's you have these high-paid guys, and there's not production there. You could see how things can get off track a bit. Yeah. With some of them, and well, it always comes back to winning. Things are easier yeah, when they're winning. Yeah, but good teams have problems too. The Patriots had all sorts of problems <laughs> in the Bill Belichick era, but you know what? They won. Yeah. If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box. Watching the game later with your friends, maybe get a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. 
Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to Roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right. Well, let's end this thing by making some predictions. Who do you think's back? Let me start by this. Here's my prediction. I think I think there are some changes. I don't necessarily know what it's going to look like. Um, I'm honestly torn right now on how to handle Ryan Pace because that is a tri- we've talked about it. It's a tricky situation. You, yeah. You I mean you definitely can't give him an extension. He's got one year, and we brought it up earlier in the podcast. If you bring him back, you're saying you're putting him in charge of fixing the quarterback spot. And I just think it creates a situation where part of the reason why you never see these guys go into the final year of their deal is because ownership starts to have questions about how much money they're going to let that guy spend and how much it's going to impact the future and you know who's the next guy. It just it muddies the waters. And that's why I still wonder, with everything we've seen, how this ended the last couple weeks... I just think somewhere there's going to be some type of changes that may yeah. even be ahead of uh, above Ryan Pace. That, that's it's more than a one year conversation if you're retaining Pace, right? Like the personnel decisions he's going to make this this off season are going to reflect or, or be reflected upon more than 2021 right. or 2020. 20, whatever. What, what year are we? What, what year are we? 2021. <laughs> I believe that's the year we're in. That, yeah. that, that's the year we're in. Um, there's more at foot for keeping him. I, I, I'm for change. Um, what level? I don't know. Um, I like my, my point on pace is if you're gonna get rid of him, get rid of his handpicked coach too, and make it a full house cleaning. If you're uncomfortable getting rid of Nagy because he's got two years on his deal and you like that he's been in the playoffs two out of the three past three seasons, um, then maybe add a different evaluator, maybe a different layer of, of evaluation that could play out. Down the line, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whether that's uniquely promoting pace and hiring a new GM or, or hiring a new VP, VP or someone to evaluate football operations, I, I I do feel like another layer has to be added in football ops. Just to give you an example, I was thinking about this yesterday of how things can be, I guess, questioned. If you have a GM whose future is uncertain, we didn't know this at the time, but there's been some talk about John Schneider in Seattle being linked to Detroit and potentially moving on from Seattle. Did not know that at the time, but last night as they were talking about this on the broadcast when we're playing the Rams, and I'm looking at Jamal Adams and I'm going, 
huh, that's interesting. Like, if a guy's thinking about leaving, and we don't even know if that's true, I guess, but if a guy has any inkling of leaving or not being there in the future, it's a little bit easier to trade two first-round picks for a guy in Jamal Adams. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If you're going to the final year of your contract, and you're already on the hot seat, you got to go all out, it's a lot easier to start mortgaging the future to get immediate returns. And I still wonder if that impacted free agency last year. That was such a sudden shift to start signing guys over 30. When for the first five years of Ryan Pace's tenure, he almost avoided that completely. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're paying Robert Quinn and they're bringing Danny Trevathan back instead of Nick Kwiatkowski and they're signing Jimmy Graham. It, 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 something I questioned at the time, it just seemed like an interesting philosophical shift. And that's just something to think about, I guess. He put his, he, he put his chips in all in. It just shows. So here, all right, let me just end this with what I would do, and you can tell me how dumb I am or whatever, like normal. We'll do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would do something similar as what the Bulls did those offseason. Full house cleaning. No, that's not entirely what they did, but it was close. Well, I mean, that's what it turned out to be. Yes, basically is what that was. But it started at the top. Okay? So that means Ted Phillips, and I've said this millions of times now at this point. That's the main move I would make because I don't think you can trust the, Just time. the same people to make this, to do the hirings if you're going to make these changes. So you bring in somebody new at the top and you let that guy make the decisions on Ryan Pace. And maybe you, the Bulls got rid of Gar Foreman right away, right? They didn't wait. Yeah. So maybe you do make that move right away. I could, I'm fine with it either way, however they want to do it. If they want to keep him at first, let the new guy make the decision, or get, or get rid of him right away, I don't know. I wouldn't. But what the Bulls did that I agree with in this situation, too, with the Bears, the Bulls did not fire Jim Boylan right away. Jim Boylan obviously <laughs> deserved to be fired right away, but they let the new guy handle that. And the reason why I think that makes sense here with Matt Nagy is because it's not like you're going to have a new guy in there by Tuesday. And the hiring cycle has already begun. And I don't know that the Matt Nagy situation is so black and white. So depending on how long that process takes, because you're setting up, you're you're making a big move. Like you're making a move that's going to affect you for decades now at the top. I just wouldn't want to be in a situation where you moved on from Nagy so quick, now you're behind in the hiring process, you're basically getting the scraps in the head coaching search by the time you have your guys in place, that now you're not really hiring the guy you want to. Like I, In that situation, I'd rather keep Nagy around for at least one more year and let the new evaluators um, you know, look at the situation and make a more patient decision. Does that all make sense? It does make sense. Okay. You know what I expect to happen, though? Nothing. Nothing. Wow. That's a hard sell. It's a Bears sell. That's a Bears sell. One one more year. I'm expecting to hear George McCaskey talk about the value of making the playoffs. 
competitive, the resilience the team showed after their six-game losing streak, the changes that were needed to help Mitch Trubisky play, the faith that he has in Matt Nagy, and the continued faith he's always had in Ryan Pace. The Bears don't want to, like we've talked about, they don't want to be a team that becomes part of that endless cycle. Now you f***ed up. Yeah, I know how silly it would feel about that tomorrow if that's what happens. Um, How about Pagano? Well, I'd fire him. <laughs> and that's the facts. That's that's 100% true. Okay. Like, Chuck's a good dude, like... But it is what it is, man. Like you're paying this, de- yeah. You- like that defense is high paid, highly paid. They, <laughs> I don't know what's going on when your best players are, are making some of the worst penalties and they're continuously making some of the worst plays or not making plays. The regression of Eddie Jackson is it should be something that's incredibly alarming. Quite frankly, yeah. like so, like in terms of accountability, maybe that's where it starts. Maybe that's where Chuck Pagano's failing. Yeah, at a certain point, though, you get to the point where like you've changed almost all the coaches. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. All right. Well, here's what I will tell you. Uh, whatever happens this week, we will be here for you. So if that means an emergency Monday podcast because people are out the door, we'll be there for you. Um, if it means just evaluating this after a couple days, we're not going anywhere. This is uh, the Bears, right? The season's over, but I have a feeling uh, that the stories this week aren't completely over. So we're not going anywhere this week. We'll eventually take a step back and slow things down. But um, for now, if there's news, we will be here to talk about it. And if there's not news, well, that's kind of news too. So we will discuss that as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Check out Johnsy's, uh, what you write about after the game? Uh, Trubisky, what's next? So now what? It all goes back to the quarterback position. It's a good point and how you fix it, and who you have in place to try to fix it. Man, I feel like we've been here before. Oh, I've been here a lot. (laughs) I've been stuck here. Uh, And yet, one more year. Okay. (laughs) Again, stuck here. Yeah. Well, you can read that on The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash Hogan. You can tell we're kind of defeated here, aren't we? I'm tired. Well, I know that, but I mean like covering this team <laughs> it's just an endless cycle yeah and we can reflect upon this like later this week but it's, it's been a it's been a different year covering this team as well yeah even you know like it's bad when the national meet like nick wright our guy nick wright uh was on this with a tweet in the middle of the game like that's a national guy who's like the bears just keep finding new and incredible ways of punishing their fan base <laughs> like that's the reputation yeah. That's the reputation they have around the league. It's not a good one. All right. Um, my column's up, NBCSportsChicago.com. Please write, rate and review the podcast. Check out that YouTube page. We'll try to get some things going in that regard, too, in the offseason as we dive into it. It's a blank canvas. Maybe Adam Johns will someday get you those T-shirts. 
They're coming. 2021. One more year. One year. The Hogan Johns t-shirt. All right. Talk to you guys later in the week. Yeah. Just the tip there, Jim. Yeah, it wasn't enough.